Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. Writing Class Radio is sponsored by and recorded at the Launchpad at the University of Miami, which aims to make the practice of entrepreneurship available to all students and alumni. This is Andrea. And this is Allison. We have been thinking about why we do this podcast. We're coming up on our third year. This is actually our third year anniversary, this episode. And, you know, we sort of, we started this business. We thought, oh, wouldn't it be fun to do a podcast? And then we realized it is a shitload of work. It's taking us away from other things we want to do, even just being with our family and having another job that makes money to pay for things. I started going through old emails just to sort of be inspired. Like, should we keep going and should we continue to do this? And I ran across this email from a listener. His name is Larry Silver, and he sent us this. I listen to your podcast and am amazed at how you and the others are able to strip down to your bare emotional selves. You are exposed, vulnerable, and from my point of view, not safe. By doing so, however, you reassure your listeners that your inner demons are not so different from theirs. It's a cathartic journey for both you and listeners like me. Thank you, Larry. I mean, I think when he sent that, he probably had no idea that that was going to be inspiration to sort of keep us going. But the other thing that is going to be inspiration for keeping us going is money, which also happens to be the topic for this episode. But before we get into the episode, we're going to spend the next few minutes talking about money and asking for money. We've asked you to support us, but we only have a handful of people that get off their wallet and say, we're going to send money. Why? Why are those people giving money? And why aren't you? I heard this pitch by Sam Harris, where he spent several minutes on the Waking Up podcast asking for money. The first thing he said, which I thought was really beautiful, and we're just going to steal those words... If giving even a few dollars causes you any financial stress, then this appeal is not directed at you. But for everyone else, we are going to tell you why it's important for you to give, why we want you to give, why we want you to be a part of this movement. Let's see. We started Writing Class Radio because why? We wanted to open lines of communication and understanding, and we know that storytelling brings people together. Here's the thing. What we're doing is we are now appealing to the people who are enjoying the stories that we put out and asking them to please value us and show us that they value us by donating. Being a donor makes you part of a bigger movement of storytellers and storytelling podcasts that use stories to help us understand each other. It's like a club. Be a part of that club. We have a mission here that we believe in. We're actually storytelling missionaries. We care so much about writing and sharing our stories because we know that writing and sharing our stories helps people come together. And it's a worthy mission. And we want you to be a part of it. We've produced 49 episodes so far in three years for free. We get between five and 15,000 listeners per episode. There's that many people out there who have been enjoying this podcast for three years. I didn't think anyone would pay for it from the beginning. But at this point, I'm thinking, all right, 
we want you to pay for what you value. If you like this podcast, you should pay for it. We think we're worth paying for. Here's your favorite expression. Get off your wallet and support this show that we know you love. Until now, we've just been raising money by teaching classes that normally we would just put in our pockets, but we've been you right. know, funneling into this podcast. And we're on episode 49. This is it. And we believe that the podcast should pay for itself. We also have big plans. We want to do a whole prison series. Yeah. And we want to take the show on the road. You know, we want to go to different cities and teach classes and, you know, have live shows and stuff. I mean, that's our goal, but... So and far, it would be nice to pay our staff yeah, a fair wage. And ourselves. Our, I'm saying yeah, our yeah. staff. Staff, me and you. Including us yeah. and our audio producer. Talking about money is awkward, but we need it and we want to keep this podcast going. And we really hope that you value us enough to go ahead and get on our website and click the donate button and make it happen for us. If you hear these stories and you feel less alone, that's what we're talking about. If that happens to you just the littlest bit, please support us. To the degree that you find us valuable, right? So if you go to the movies and, you know, you pay $14 to go see a movie once a month, maybe send us 14 bucks, right? Yeah. If you go get a pizza every week for your whole family, it's 25 bucks. I mean, just, you know, something like that. If you get massages, if you go to spin class, whatever you find, whatever's in your wallet that you feel that isn't going to make a huge dent, we would like to be considered. I hope you find us valuable. Um, And don't be like me, that person who thinks that everybody else is donating so I don't have to and that I click through it. Really, we need you to be the person who supports the things they love and value. So go to Writing Class Radio and hit the support us button. All right, perfect. This is Writing Class Radio, where you'll hear true personal stories from the students in our class and learn a little bit about how to write your own stories. I'm Andrea Askowitz, the teacher of the class. And I'm Allison Langer, a student in the class. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit and figure out who we are. There's no place in the world like writing class. And we want to bring you in. Today on our show, we're talking about how awkward it is to discuss money and to write about money honestly. No one in our class wants to admit that they have money. And no one wants to admit that they don't have money. Money is one of those topics that embarrasses people and divides people. I think it also connects people sometimes. I mean, maybe not in the best way. But you don't think it connects also? I mean, if it does, if money connects people, that's that's kind of just ugly, but it, it's probably true. Last year, we put out the prompt, Something You Don't Understand, for one of our contests. And Catherine Sullivan, a listener in Boston, wrote about the financial complications of her cross-cultural relationship. And we were like, oh, my God, this is so good. We need to do a show about money. So here is Catherine reading her story. I'm from the U.S., and for the past two and a half years, I have been drowning in the complexities of a cross-cultural relationship with my Colombian boyfriend. While there is a language barrier and punctuality issues, money is the topic that pulls us both under. Just two months into our courtship, I moved into his house in Cali, Colombia. 
this jump threw us into the land of shared household costs. I've never lived with a partner before, and so I thought, let's make things easy and keep finances separate. I come from an individualistic culture where Venmo and splitting the tab is ingrained into all social interactions. It felt natural to split everything 50-50. It didn't occur to me that other cultures do it differently or that my novio would see our arrangement in any other light. I failed to consider that we weren't starting on an even playing field. The differences in our country's economies gave me a 200 meter head start in a 400 meter race. He's 46 and I'm 24, but I rejected the social expectation that just because he's an older man, he should take care of me. However, it didn't occur to me that I'd be taking care of him. Almost immediately after we met, he faced an ugly slump, otherwise known as unemployment. For an entrepreneur like my boyfriend, this meant that while he was still putting in all the hours, he wasn't getting paid. Meanwhile, I wasn't making a ton, but the California-based science magazine I worked for remotely paid me enough money to support myself. My U.S. dollars thrived with the high currency exchange rate. On my boyfriend's 47th birthday, we spent a week in Cartagena. I bought both our plane tickets, paid for our room, and all of our meals. Then, on the morning of his birthday, on an isolated strip of beach paradise in a cabana that stood on stilts above the teal sea, we ordered lunch. My boyfriend chose the fried fish, the most expensive item on the menu. But it's his birthday, I thought. Your wallet will be fine. And can I have the fresh squeezed juice to go along with that, please? He asked the waiter. The waiter said there would be an extra charge. My boyfriend nodded. It's fine. And I exploded inside. I can't recall my exact words. But when the bill came, I said something passive-aggressive, like, do you want to split it? He looked disappointed. The day was ruined. I wanted to have a good time, but I couldn't. Later, when we walked along the beach, I tried to hold his hand. He wouldn't take it. Months after, Sitting on the sofa in our apartment and looking over unpaid bills, my boyfriend said, If you were the one who needed money, I would help you. The difference is, though I have nothing to share, I want to share the nothing I do have. And you have more than you need, and you don't want to share any. Any? I yelled, tears leaking down my face. Have you just overlooked how generous I've been? Who paid the rent for the last six months? Who paid for Cartagena? Who pays for the groceries? Can you only see the bad parts of me? He softened and said, I'm not saying you're bad. I'm saying you're different. Our cultures are different. You don't have to feel bad about the way you do things just because I would do them differently. 
And you don't have to change unless you want to. It's that unless you want to that gets me. We've had the same fight 100 times and it's still so raw. Over and over, I have defended my culture and its norms that are ingrained so subtly and intensely in me that I have never even realized they were there. Do I want to change? I have always felt anxiety around money. I did not grow up poor, not even close. So where does the anxiety come from? Is it left over from some puritanical pressure to save and save? Or was it constructed during a capitalistic boom when we are convinced that money is the one thing that everyone needs? Even if I am able to determine the cause of this anxiety, will I ever be able to change it? A culture of sharing appeals to me more than the every man for himself one in which I was raised. But I keep asking myself, can I learn to enjoy the dinner without thinking about who's paying the bill? Can I share with the man I love without feeling used? My boyfriend pulls me into him, dirtying his clean t-shirt with my snot because he knows that I've run out of fighting words. We both sigh, spent. I love it. The way culture and age plays such a big role. When she said um, that the cultural norms, and then I thought she was going to talk about like being with a man much older, but then it really was about money instead of, you know, the age gap. I thought maybe it would be about an age thing, but it really ended up being not about age at all. But it is because she's. 25 and she's of the Venmo culture. Yeah, yeah. So she's all about sharing 50-50. I thought it was really interesting that she was able to reject the notion that he would take care of her. And maybe that's also an age thing too. Because a 25-year-old woman is not expecting a man, even if he's so much older, to take care of her. Well, I was interested to hear that because, I mean, I'm 50 and I kind of do. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> it's not happening, clearly. And maybe that's why it's not happening. Oh, God. Yeah. You but need I, to I'm adjust like, your expectations. I've been in one marriage well, where my husband um, felt like I should have supported him. And so I'm like, uh-uh. Now forget it. I've You've gone the total. burned. Yeah. Before him, I was like, you don't have a job? Great. You're cute. <laughs> now I'm like, mm-mm. Now you're like, uh, hi, what's your job? Well, I mean, just something. Hi, what's your name? What's your job? Can at least support himself. That's what I think she's asking for. I don't think she's even, like, that's what I liked. She wasn't uh-huh. saying pay for me. She's saying pay yeah. for you. Right. I, what I liked about this narrator is she took, she took responsibility. And I actually thought she took too much responsibility. She started to say, hey, what's wrong with me? Why can't I share? 
But when I heard that, I wanted to yell at her. I wanted to be like, no, no, you don't need to share. And I see that that's me making a judgment on her life. But that's what how it hit me. And that's what happens when you write. So even if it's your truth and it means something to you, you have to understand that it's not always going to land on other people the same way. So we have to be able to, as a writer, anticipate how it's going to land and also be really um, descriptive and explicit and bring in the things that will lead people down the right path. Right. So she did a good job of turning the camera around on herself But she sort of angered me because she talked about her boyfriend valuing a culture of sharing. What? Wait, that angered you? I didn't feel like that assertion was supported. In the writing, her boyfriend is Colombian. Right. And so he grew up in a capitalist democracy. Did he grow up on a kibbutz? I don't think so. So in what way was he... In what way does he value sharing? We did not... I would have liked for her to show us some sharing on his part. Yeah. Like, okay, so he doesn't have any money, so is he giving in other ways? Like, maybe he's cooking and he's doing other chores while she's working. But, you know, I just, I still got to ask, is that okay? Is this switching of traditional roles going to work for them? We don't know if they even made that deal. It sounds like, based on everything that she wrote, that they didn't make that deal. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been in that in Catherine's position, like something like that? I actually was in Catherine's position in my most significant ex relationship where um, I was dating this woman for years who she was actually in grad school and um, and I paid for everything. And for a while it was okay until she kept wanting to go out and eat sushi. Well, how long had you guys been dating? We were together six years. But the other thing that happened was she did none of the home housework stuff. Who did that? I did. Like, she was this big slob, and she was um, prone to eating sushi. Yeah. So I was like, I got, I I felt So what happened? Well, we broke up. We broke up for a lot of reasons. But I did lose respect for her. I Mm -hmm. did feel like I was her mother instead of her lover. Six years is a long time to stick around for that. Well, yeah, I know. I'm all very right. loyal. Maybe you got to write a story about that. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, let's go back to the writing. Something else I loved about the writing was where she said, I didn't grow up poor, not even close. You know, um, she could have said, I have money or my parents came from money and all that kind of stuff. But she doesn't. And so I don't know. I just it just was a, I liked her. It was elegant. Sort of like the way people write about sex without being explicit, but you know, that's how it that's how it landed on me, and I thought it was really well done. But you know what it made me think of? How awkward it is to say. So she said, um, "I didn't grow up poor, not even close." But she could have said, "I grew up totally rich." I don't know if she grew up totally rich. I'm just right. saying. It would have been so shocking yeah. if she had said, I grew up totally rich. I mean, my family was upper class. No one says that. Mm-hmm. We're so trained in this country, in this culture, to say even we all we all claim to be middle class mm-hmm. if we have money. Well, you're told at a very young age, no, no, don't talk about money. Right. Don't tell anyone you have right. money. Don't tell anyone you don't have money. Right. Don't talk about money. Right. So it's hard to write about money. Really, really, that's why it's so hard because it's it's awkward. Yeah, yep. thanks, Catherine, Catherine. Did a good I, good job with it. Yes, thank you for doing for sending that in. Um, 
uh, it's not easy. It's not easy to share these things. And we're really, really grateful that that you did. So thank you, Catherine. Next up, a word from our sponsors. We're back. This is Andrea Askowitz, and this is Writing Class Radio. Why does that always sound like um, like Formal? an ad or something? Yeah, I don't know. We're back. All right. Okay. Um, in this episode, we're talking about how in writing and in life, it's hard to talk about money, especially if you have money. Our final story today is a prompt response from Misha Morell. He's a student in our class who you've heard on this podcast before. Here's Misha writing about his current relationship with money. I used to actually be 14 years old. Now I'm 27 years old, but I act like I'm 14 years old. I'll sit on the couch and dissolve into this cozy, peaceful slouch, staring at at the TV, feet up, and I think, I'm a real man. (laughs) Look at me here, sitting with my feet up, taking a break, at the end of the day. Maybe later I'll have sex with my girlfriend if she wants to. The way real men do. Hard working men who spend their day working, providing, creating, and come home to relax and let go. But I'm not taking a break from anything because I don't have a job. I was looking hard, but then I gave up. I give up pretty quick, like the time I got an internship at this prestigious production company in college called Magnolia Pictures, and on the second day, I sent an email to my boss telling her that the job just wasn't for me. This is the 14-year-old. Acceptable behavior for a teen, maybe even a little bit in college, but not at 27. I need a fucking job. I need to learn to value the dollar. I grew up getting what I wanted. My parents grew up with parents that withheld. My father had to beg his mother for money. My mother's parents were never there. So they must have decided to give my sister and I everything. My dad never wanted me to feel like I owed him, like I need to do something for him because he spent his whole life feeling like he owed his mother, feeling guilty and trapped. Problem with this giving thing, though, is that I grew up never really acknowledging how much he was giving me, how much work went into it, the value of all this money. He took my sister and I on trips, lavish ones, to Europe. Yes, we'd make a pit stop in Munich to see his mother and he'd pay his dues, but then off to skiing in France, Switzerland, Italy, Alps, hot chocolate. Then he paid for my college tuition in full, then rent in fucking New York apartments. I started understanding just how much I was taking from him, so I looked for cheaper apartments. But if I really wanted to help him, I'd have found a fucking job or not abandoned internships after the first day. Then I got work out of school, film work, because I went to film school, because I saw a Spike Lee movie when I was 14 and decided I wanted to be a filmmaker. Fuck. (laughs) I put on my suit and 
tied in my tie Take the train downtown And work from nine to five From Monday to Friday If I can Cause I wanna be a businessman. Misha is so <laughs> funny. He totally admits to being a sloth. This narrator really knows himself. If a narrator admits something, even something that's not cute, then we as listeners or readers trust that narrator. This narrator is totally great at saying the hard thing. Yeah, he is. Misha yeah. says it, he says the hard thing, this hard thing about how he has money and he's just lying there with self-deprecation. Mooching off his parents, 27, not like yep. following through with the job and everything, but... Putting his feet up like a man. <sighs> yeah, That's maybe so we'll have to go have sex if his girlfriend will. Yeah. I'm like, this life sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> yeah. But you can tell he's thinking he's a piece of shit for doing it. And exactly. he, yeah, he's ready for a change. I mean, you don't get all of that in the story, but you get a big part of you feel that this guy's making a change. And that's why we love him so much. But we noticed two grammatical errors. And we must say them because this is a class. And a first draft. <laughs> That's true. I, I did. I noticed that he said, um, my sister and I, and the way that he said it um, as the object, it, it should be my sister and me. But I totally make grammatical mistakes all the time. We are not judging. We're just calling it out. No, and we actually tell our our students that when they are in class, do not worry about grammar. Do not worry about spelling. Just write because the first draft is not for perfection. It's not. It's just to get things out of your brain. So it doesn't matter to us at all. But since we're a podcast and we can't let that slide on the radio. Yeah, on the air. But that's absolutely not a criticism. But if he continues writing this story, these are the things I really, really want to know. I want to know what caused the change. So he went from this kid who's a mooching off his parents and this and that. Same same as all of us, you know, when growing up and going to college. And then there comes a moment where you're like, I've got to get my life together. We <clears> haven't <throat> seen a change yet. You're saying you – aren't you saying you want to see if there's a change? Well, I feel like because he's writing about this – There's going to be a change. The hope of change is there, which is why I'm like, what's causing it? What's spurring it? Like, you know, how does his girlfriend feel about it? Um, Does she have money? Does she not have money? Is she paying for things? Um, I really just think this story could be about a kid who learns how to make his own money and his own way in life, you know? So a good prompt for him could be the moment everything changed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but we just love this guy. He's owning his laziness and I don't know, I, I, his voice, he's funny, he's finding humor. Life is so serious. It's so so much fun to always listen to his stories because they're all full of humor. And um, I don't know. I love that. Yes. Great work, Misha. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Catherine Sullivan and Misha Morrell for sharing your stories. Writing Class Radio is produced by Virginia Laura, Andrea Askwitz, and me, Allison Langer. Theme music by Ari Herstand. Additional music by Emia, Kevin Miles Wilson, Jason Shaw, and Poddington Bear. We got new digs! Writing Class Radio is sponsored by and recorded at the Launchpad. New digs! (laughs) At the University of Miami. 
There's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com, including video classes, stories to study, and editing resources. If you love the show and enjoy all the extras on our website, hit the support us button. Hit the support us button. Oh my God, I'm going to punch her. A new episode will drop the first Wednesday of every month, so look for us. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? New dicks. <laughs> I wanted to do it. <laughs> it's so funny how you sing certain things. Okay, Amber. It's said that the more time you have to invest, the greater the return. Well, guess what? Kids have the most time if we learn to invest early. That's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast, where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. This podcast will help you become the money expert among your family and friends. Just remember, anyone can be a cash kid. You just have to learn how to become one. Get ready to grow your financial knowledge and your wallet with the Cash Kid Podcast.